Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Y'all, or you, because you are just one person maybe listening to my podcast today, not a group of people, unless you're on a road trip, which that would be super fun. I hope you are. Hi, I'm Kat Harris. I am the host of the Refined Collective Podcast. Um, today's conversation is super fun. You might notice I have a little bit of um, sexy Phoebe from Friends sick voice. I'm not sick, but the weather just changed. So I have this, like, I feel like my voice just went down two octaves today. So... This is me, but just a little deeper voice version of me. All right, today's episode, like I said, is super fun. I have Sarah from Simply Real Health. She is a nutritionist. She has several healthy cookbooks. She has a food blog. She's a healthy lifestyle expert. So many incredible things. And I think you're really going to love this episode. Here's a few reasons why. We talk about like how to cook for one. Are you single? I am. Or do you only have like one or two or three people in your house? How do you actually cook for that one person or that small group without being overwhelmed? What are staples you need to have in your pantry that will decrease overwhelm? And we talk about things like, should we be buying all organic? Is gluten bad? And what red flags to look for in regards to like you know, sexy dieting crazes like keto and paleo. She also gave us the number one question to be asking ourselves in regards to food. So super practical, not to mention her own personal journey with food and body image um, is just really inspiring and relatable. So I cannot wait for you to get into this episode. Let's go ahead and get started. Wait. But one more thing. All right. If you love this podcast, would you mind going on iTunes, search The Refined Collective and subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. That would just be so helpful. I would appreciate it so very much. All right. On to the conversation with Sarah Adler from Simply Real Health. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This woman really, really lives her message. And one of the big reasons why I wanted to have her on this podcast is for selfish reasons. I think she's incredible and just like talking to my friends and having you guys listen to it. Um, But also I've been getting a ton of questions on Instagram about how do I cook for one or what are the non-negotiable things I need to have in my pantry? And I am not an expert on that. So I decided to bring an expert. So Sarah Adler, Simply Real Health, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to be here. This is the best. I'm so happy you're here. And 
I think this is going to be an interesting interview because I'm already feeling a little punchy. So <laughs> I know that intro was just amazing. I was just trying not to like laugh. I'm like, don't laugh over here. I mean, it's Monday afternoon yeah. and you know what? Sometimes Mondays are just like, you just, you know, you gotta, you just, they're just kind of struggle fest, you know? <laughs> well, it's so funny. I feel like, like owning a business, I'm like, very particular about like batching tasks and time, mm-hmm. you know, times that you do certain things. And like Mondays are always my day that are more like internal because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I can't fully express things or say, you know, so I always joke it's mm-hmm. like the day that I'm in sweats just at my desk. Yes. That's what I'm doing today. I'm like, I probably shouldn't be allowed out in public because <laughs> I can't like formulate my ideas. So, mm. <laughs> so I totally like, get it. Monday, let's do this podcast. Like, yes. Yeah. It'll be great. Yep. And then here we are. <laughs> I feel like my, what my Monday has been is I had some editing to do this morning. I, I edited edited a couple of photo shoots and then I started my to-do list. And then I don't know if you ever feel this way. Like you like write your to-do list down. And then I feel like I just like kind of walk circles around it. And I'm like, Ooh, uh, oh, I, what do, so what do I actually start doing? Oh, I know I should post on Instagram stories. That's, that's the best thing I should do with my time right now. I know. I, I feel like the older I get, I just get so much more like, okay, we're just realistic about, about what I can get done and like Mm -hmm. how to go about doing it. And I, have you ever heard that thing where like, okay, you just picked your top three tasks every day. Like instead of like the list of like 20, 25 things that are all Mm -hmm. random. And then you go for the one that's like the easiest one to cross off. Do you Mm -hmm. have ever done that? I definitely. Oh yeah. I learned that from Emily Sexton. who was in our mastermind. Yes. Yes. It's so true. And like three things and then that, but they have to be the most important thing. And then you like, cannot, you're like not allowed to go to any other parts of your mm. to-do list until you do those three things. I feel like that has helped me so much. So I'm like, okay, okay, yes. just, okay. <laughs> Back, but here's, okay. here's what happens with me <laughs> with the top three things is, and I don't know if this is like lack of boundaries on my part, but like, I feel like I'll have the three things. And then the one thing turns into like, 20 other things. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, I feel like my day just got hijacked. Like, uh, like I thought it was going to take me like an hour to do this one really important thing, but it's like the one email I sent or the one project I did opened up like this whole Pandora's box. Yeah. And that's where I can really struggle as an entrepreneur. I'm like, yeah. wait a second. Like what, what just happened? I thought I was just doing the three things. And then the one thing turned into 20. I know. You know, it's been, so, I know we're going to talk about food. You guys, we're yeah. definitely going to talk about food, but I'm like, this is what happens when you get two entrepreneurs and like, right? you know, one combo. you're like, tell me, like, let's talk about productivity and, and how yes. to like, you know, like live better and be more efficient. Have you ever tried yeah. a time cube? So is, so I do, I often do the Pomodoro method. Is yeah. that similar? I think so. Is what is Pomodoro okay. method? Like 20 So it's like you work and... for 25 minutes, okay. take a five minute break <clears throat> and then do that four times and then take a 15 minute break. Okay. No, this is slightly different because it's okay. like this little thing on Amazon. It's called a time cube and it has like okay. different faces, like 30 minutes, 60 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes, and you set it you know, for whatever amount of time you want. So like, if you're looking at a task and you're like, okay, I want to spend, this will probably take me 
one hour or this should take mm-hmm. me 15 minutes like to go through my inbox. So you mm-hmm. do it and the key is it's not attached to your phone. It's just like a separate mm-hmm. timer and then it has like a countdown on it. And oh, for nice. some reason it's so helpful like not only just to be motivated by like that ticking clock to be efficient but also I feel like it's helped me to understand like how long tasks actually take. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh, a blog post easy. I can do that in, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Mm. And then I set the timer and I'm like, okay, 30 minutes. And then I set another 15 minute timer or five minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, and then I feel like it helps me plan better, you know, yeah. later of being like, no, that task actually takes way longer than you think that it does, mm. you know, or like yeah. you, you notice like how much you get distracted Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, but I should go research. I need to figure out what that is. And then you're like in Google or on Instagram and then you like lose it. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't like know. once you it's open like up your phone. you lately. Just be like, get yes. real with yourself here. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is, yes. these tasks are going to take this amount of time. And then that's how you see like the, you know, the minutes just kind of like ticking by and you're like, wait, what did mm-hmm. I even do? I don't know. That's been right. helping me like new mom life yeah. for sure. I'm like, okay, yeah. let's get serious about this. <laughs> for sure. I even, I'll put my phone on airplane mode mm-hmm. and just, I just feel like I, I have to do that sometimes just so I'm not like answering text messages mm-hmm. or like, oh, these images are exporting or I'm waiting for this thing to come and let me just scroll through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like those things, even just the mindset, like jumping back and forth can like really steal my focus. So yes, it's so I, true. I really try to be like, okay, if I'm doing this project, like social media can wait, like even the inbox can wait, like mm-hmm. so doing that. It's so um, true. All right. Let's talk about food. Yeah, mama. <laughs> let's do it. Well, Speaking it's of I mean, hijacking, yeah. I'm like, let's talk about productivity for the next hour. I know. Um, but you know, there are really a lot of similarities. Like, and I mm. think that's sometimes what people don't realize is like the way that you look at life, like all things in life, like life tasks, workouts, like time with your friends. Like if you are intentional about it, it doesn't have to be something that is stressful. Like sometimes you just need a little bit of a system. A little bit of structure can go a really long way to helping you feel like what you're doing is efficient and it's working and you're keeping things simple and easy, like not Mm -hmm. adding more stress and more to do's to your plate because we are, we're all like busy and we are all like, I think as women, especially like we are just holding a lot. Like we are not even like juggling is the wrong word, but just like holding, like we're tending to a lot of different things like in our life, whether it's friendships or relationships or, um, your career and your purpose, or, you know, there's so many things like family dynamics, or if you have your own family, we are just holding a lot. And so I think it's just important. And that's part of my message is just learning how to be intentional with each, with each of the things that matters to you. And so I think, truly like it is kind of connected like how you approach your life can also be something of like well how are you approaching your food because for me it's really part of the my theory and philosophy is that yeah it it starts with food like if your food is a life-giving force like that you're eating well and taking care of yourself and eating what I call real food which is food that has existed forever like really since the beginning of time it's like the so most, like not cheetos yes right it's just like <laughs> the most simple version of food out there like 
mm. what people used to be able to grow or fish, fish or gather. Like it's, it's really foods that have like one ingredient, you know, or, mm. or if they have a few, it's like stuff you can recognize or that a five-year-old could yeah. like recognize on the ingredients. Yes. And, um, I think just like kind of coming back to, some of those basics really ends up helping us in so many ways. Like mm. if you're feeding and nourishing yourself well, that sort of sets the foundation for being able to have a very productive, intentional life in all of the other buckets that you do have. That's so good and important and makes so much sense. Like one of my, I had a coach a few years ago who told me, you know, how you show up for one thing is how you show up for everything. Mm. And like, there really is no such thing as compartmentalization. So really how you're showing up with how our food, how we're showing up at work, how we're showing up in our relationships, like it's all interconnected. And I think maybe a limiting belief that I have had, and I think other people like women who are asking these questions that I'm asking you today is like, well, I don't have time. Like I don't have time to make food or I'm not good in the kitchen or it's expensive um, or just cooking for one, the food goes bad, like all these like sort of limiting beliefs. But in that, I think what I found about being intentional in other areas of my life is usually it doesn't take as long as I think it's going to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And once you create the system and structure, it actually saves time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess what I'm curious about with you kind of before we get to the practical is your own journey. Like how did you, did you like come out of the womb being like, I want simple ingredients? <laughs> I mean, I wish. Um, no. Yeah, it's a great question. I So yeah. growing up, I was always just very fascinated by food and by wellness and health. Like mm-hmm. I specifically remember like counting down the days until I like turned 12 because that was the limit of like when you could go to the gym by yourself, like without mm-hmm. parent supervision. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like watching my parents and they would go work out and I really wanted to like do that. I also remember just like loving going to the grocery store and like, I really liked healthy food or being healthy. And I think that is just a funny thing. That's just, that's just the way that I did come out of the womb was like, just always interested in like wanting to be a healthy person. Um, and then the older I got, as I got into like middle school and high school and you know, those years are just so intense. I just had the Mm. longest, like awkward phase. I think of anybody that I know. No. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like you're the most pretty, beautiful, like gorgeous, voluminous hair girl ever. Like, what do you mean you went through? No, no. Like most of my life, I would say probably was an awkward stage. And, um, but I think like in terms of food, it was this, it became this thing that I became so obsessed with. Like I would Mm. read, I would read like fitness magazines for fun. Like when every other girl was looking at like 17 magazine and, you know, looking at makeup trends and like reading, like trying to sneak Cosmo magazines or, you know, funny Mm. things. I would be so much more interested in looking at, um, like oxygen fitness and like looking Mm. at like workout plans and reading Mm. diet books for fun. Um, I was always just like on this quest to, figure out like the healthiest way to eat. And I think deep down, like it it is totally related to the awkward stage and phase Mm. of just like, I was born with just like a very 
curvy. I just always naturally had curves. And so even before, Mm -hmm. even compared to all my friends, like I had a slower metabolism and I just had a naturally more athletic build. And I think from a very early age, I could tell that and like differentiate that. Um, like, mm, I'm not like other people. I can't eat the way that they do. I can't, you know, cause when I did, I just wouldn't feel good. And it was just a very interesting thing when I think about it. Cause I'm like, man, I was so young, you know, I would that like mm. to think that at like 10 years old to notice the difference. Wow. And, you know, I matured faster. I got my period early. I like, had boobs, I had a butt, you know. So I think a lot of these things, like I, my boobs, still haven't come in. <laughs> I'm 34. I'm like, are they coming in? <laughs> I know it's so funny. Like it's just, and I grew up like my mom was always. She's like the most like body positive person that I know. Mm-hmm. Like she has no issues with food, but she also has a super fast metabolism and mm-hmm. um, is has always been like healthy. My parents were very into healthy food and they were hippies mm-hmm. in college. And so it was like a very normal thing, you know, to think about what you're eating and doing. But by the time I got to high school, it I t- had turned like what was my interest in food and it became this obsession, like true obsession where then it was like all I began mm-hmm. to think about and I wanted to only eat healthy food. And I think now Mm. the name for it is orthorexia, where you're just obsessed with things being so perfect and Mm. you freak out like if things are not healthy. Um, But back then, that was not really that wasn't talked about at all. It was just mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's like, should be a good thing that you're thinking about your health. So I worked out, you know, like every day for one or two hours, I would never miss a workout. I would obsess over like what was the healthiest food. And then it just always kept changing, like depending on what mm-hmm. diet was cool. Like I would do low carb and then I would do, um, no, it was all about high fiber and then it would switch and change. Mm-hmm. And I was just always constantly bouncing and always sort of in my head. It was always this thing that I was fixing on of like I could never mm-hmm. just enjoy the moment because I was so thinking about like oh well it's not my healthy food which at the time what I considered healthy food I am like horrified at now but like at the time it was a lot of soy milk because milk was apparently bad mm-hmm. for you and it was a lot of like cereal because it was high fiber or it was a lot about mm-hmm. counting calories and portions and I ended up eating food that it's food that I consider like diet food now, like food that's Mm -hmm. marketed to you as being very healthy because it's according to the trend of whatever is popular in that moment. But when you look at what's actually in that food, like what it's made of, it's so far from being anything real, anything that your body can actually digest. Mm -hmm. It's all manufactured to look sexy on the label. So I was like a big like label reader. I was whether and Mm -hmm. what I was paying attention to would change, like whether that was fat grams or sugar grams or calories or protein that would change over the years. But truly by the time I got to college, it was like, I had my own snacks like under my bed because I was always mm-hmm. afraid that there was something not healthy enough. So it was like cliff bars, mm-hmm. you know, like live on cliff yeah. bars and like cereal and fruit and just mm-hmm. things that were um, in my mind healthier. And it wasn't until I got um, the chance to study abroad in Italy that I realized kind of how how most people were not obsessing the way that I was. And I almost oh. didn't go on a trip to Italy because I was terrified of going there 
and that all they had to eat was pizza and pasta. And I was convinced that I was going to get fat. Like, I, and I, so I almost didn't go on the trip. And I remember that all the other girls that were going were just so excited. They're like, it's pizza and pasta and wine and gelato. I'm like, this is the best. We're going to have the best time. And I was like, had so much anxiety that I like almost didn't go on the trip. But I remember going and I, you know, was using all my like what I call American woman diet tactics of like, like, okay, I'll go, I'll have the pizza, but I'll just have two pizzas and take the rest home. Or like, okay, I'll have the pasta, but like maybe have them box it up before I can eat too much of it. Or like, okay, I'll try and just get the salad, but they don't really do salads there. It was like a Mm -hmm. bunch of like sad lettuce on a plate, you know, like no dressing. And, and I just remember sitting at lunch one day and I was looking at these two beautiful, like Italian women, they were friends and just sitting there and they were just like dressed perfectly. And just, they were stunning and they were just sitting there like kind of sipping on wine and having some pasta and like have the cappuccinos. And, but I realized like in that moment, like they were so present with each other and like connected and the food was just the the thing that brought them together it wasn't necessarily even the main focus like they were so much Mm -hmm. more about connecting and being with each other and catching up and I remember sitting there thinking like how are they not freaking out about eating pasta Mm -hmm. a day how are they not worried Mm -hmm. about the calories and the wine like that's not that's so unnecessary for lunchtime. And I just realized that I had never had a moment or a meal where I was actually present because I was so consumed by thinking about calories or so consumed thinking about, okay, I'm going to go, you know, run for two miles, you know, after today, because all I've had is carbs. And Mm -hmm. I realized that like, the more I started to look around on that trip, like, everybody in Italy was truly enjoying their food. Like nobody had, Mm. nobody was calculating, nobody was measuring, nobody was like employing the American women's (laughs) diet tactics. They were just enjoying their life and they all looked great and they were happy and food Mm. was like a very celebrated thing. Um, And it, it kind of cracked my whole world open into like, wow, there's a whole different way to look at food. People seem happier. They look healthier. Like they something and they do everything opposite of what you're supposed to do. And so that was my first clue and indication and really my first introduction into the world of real food, which is food that has not been processed. It's just like comes from the earth or it, you know, you can fish it, you can hunt it, you can pick it. It is stuff that has existed for thousands of years. And that's really all the Italians eat. Like they didn't really have tons of processed food or grocery stores. And, um, they, eight things that were made from scratch, like five ingredients or less, like very simple, like vegetables, good olive oil. Yes, they had pasta, they had pizza, but it was all homemade. And um, Mm -hmm. when I came back from that trip, I kind of was like, started seeing my world in a whole different view because I couldn't for four months, I couldn't, I didn't have access to my cliff bars or the perfect, you know, high protein cereal. And like, I came back and I felt fine, maybe better than ever. 
And so that was kind of my intro into like, okay, maybe everything that I have learned up until this point, the way I've been educated about food and the way that we've been trained to think about it, like maybe there's another way that's not as obsessive and that there's another way to live that actually has a little bit more joy and celebration to it. So that kind of began my journey of unwinding, like unwinding every way I had thought I knew about food. Um, and it was really, truly my intro into the difference between diet food and real food. I mean, I've definitely been there. I've, I've shared on the podcast, uh, my, the eating disorder that I had in college that followed me out of college mm-hmm. and my healing process there. And, um, something that I'm curious about for you is like, when you were in the thick of that, like, what was your biggest fear? Like, what were you afraid of happening? Yeah, I think that, I think I was just scared of losing control. Like, and I think that's what they always say with eating disorders specifically. It's like, it's usually mm-hmm. a, a something about control. And I think for me, like, mm-hmm. even though I grew up with really health, like a really healthy attitude around food and truly healthier food than probably most, like, families were eating at that time. It was my own thing with my body. It's like, I almost, I couldn't trust Mm -hmm. my body because I saw Mm -hmm. that I just couldn't eat the same way as other people. Otherwise I would gain weight, you know? And so that was always Mm -hmm. like a deep seated thing in the back of my mind of like, well, I had to stay on top of it and I had to stay educated and in control. Mm -hmm. Cause if I didn't, what would happen if I didn't think about it, you know? And I just knew that that wasn't something that my body, so it was like a very big, just like I didn't trust my body. And I always felt like I had to do extra work and to be extra Mm -hmm. like careful about what I ate and how I worked out in order Mm -hmm. to just be like everybody else. So here's what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. you say, is that like the fear, if you lose control, if you lost control, is that you would gain weight or be fat? Yes. And then like, what, what did you think was going to happen if you were fat or what wasn't going to happen? I think at that age, like that to me was like the worst I could think of, you know, like in that age, I was just like, I think maybe that's just a normal part of that age of like, you're just like Mm -hmm. finding yourself. You don't know that your worth is not based on your body size or you don't Mm -hmm. know that like I find now. So I just had um, a baby like, I guess mm, mm, December, he'll be a year. So like, I find like that there are some similar things about like pregnancy, postpartum, Mm -hmm. that type of thing where I'm like, but now it's so different because I don't, my identity is not my body. Do you know what I mean? But when you're Mm -hmm. younger, I think you're just a little bit more insecure and you don't know like your place in the world yet. And you don't know yourself Mm -hmm. really well. And you don't know even how to take care of yourself and why that matters on a deeper level. Um, And it's so much more just about like purely physical things. You know, like, like I want to yeah. look hot in my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, totally. I, wanna, like, I want that guy yeah. to think I look hot in totally. those jeans. <laughs> exactly. And like, I think the older yeah. you get, you just kind of develop as if, if you're kind of going down your path in life, wanting to do it um, just in a way that's intentional and just with love mm-hmm. for yourself and getting to know yourself and learning how to take care of yourself best. Like yeah. that's a mental thing. And maybe that comes with Mm -hmm. age. Um, so I don't know, but I definitely think that's part of it. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, I, I hear that. And I'm, I grew up in the South. So, you know, it's, you're already, I'm young. You're already thinking about, you know, body and stuff, which for me, my eating disorder didn't start until college. Um, when I was a collegiate athlete, but I grew up in the South where it's like, everything was focused on image, like very image driven. So even though I wasn't like outward, like directly focusing on that in high school, like it was around me, it was kind of the air I breathed. And then when the insecurity started rising in college, when I was gaining, I gained like the fresh, I gained the freshman mm-hmm. 30, like mm-hmm. I was like gaining muscle mass, but I also was not eating very healthy. And I just, for a long time had this narrative that I am only worthy of love mm-hmm. if I look a certain way. And I really, truly believed that I was single and not married and not dating because I was like unwantable because I was like all but a size eight or 10 mm-hmm. in college. And I just felt so unworthy of love if if I wasn't like, in my head, it was like, I'm beautiful if I'm a size Mm -hmm. two, maybe if I'm a size Mm -hmm. four. And um, it's been interesting this year, I've gone through some really hard stuff with family and I, I gained 10 pounds this year, which I didn't really even realize. I was like, I think maybe I've gained a couple of pounds. Um, and I went to the gym last week for like an assessment mm-hmm. and I got on the scale and I was like, oh man, wow. Okay. I've gained 10 pounds and I was not excited about mm-hmm. that. Um, but at the same time I left and I was like, you know what? Like, if this were 10 years ago, I would be like, okay, we're going in starvation mm-hmm. mode. Like we're getting it on lockdown mm-hmm. and you got to tighten things up, cat. And yes, I was not excited about like gaining 10 pounds. However, it felt like I also walked away and I was like, wow, like look at my body is like, you know, has been trying to like help me and heal me during this really hard time in my personal mm-hmm. life. And wow, like I didn't know I had gained 10 pounds and I still like, I, I you know, I wore my tight jeans and a midriff <laughs> the day before. I felt fine and confident mm-hmm. in it. And I was like, wow, 10 years ago, I would have like been like, oh, I should like hide my body. Like it's not worthy to be mm-hmm. seen. And it just, it, it was like a cool moment to be like, okay, like maybe we can like think about some of the decisions I've been mm-hmm. making. Like I've, more this year than I have in the last like 15 years, I've been like, I'm just going to go get a box of Kraft Mac and cheese. And I'm like, well, that's not Mm -hmm, me. Like, um, but it's been an interesting, like that last week was like an interesting moment. Cause I feel like it was kind of a cool moment for me to see, like, I have grown in this area. Like this would have been devastating to me 10 years ago, but I do know that my identity is not based on the number on the scale. And I don't know if you ever had this, but it was like, I used to be so in bondage to like, I was going to have a good or bad day dependent on what this number on the scale told me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, I'm giving this machine so much power. It's so true. And for me, like that was like, I never realized though that I thought that way. Like I, I just, to me, Mm. it was like, normal because it wasn't something like so apparent to other people, but it was just like this inner dialogue. And I think that's the Mm -hmm. part about like health and even healthy living that a lot of people don't talk about. 
And that is my mission of like, because, because for me going through it, like I realized it's so much more than just about the food. It's so much more than just Mm. what you're eating or what you're not eating or what you're focused on. And like this rigidity, it's like, it has to connect to Mm. your inner dialogue. It has to connect to your mental health and to your emotional health. And if you, if those things are not connected, like it is just this endless rat race. Like you're never going to be happy with where you are because you're not actually addressing the connection point to like these mm. other things that are like how we're talking to ourselves and what our value is and, and where we're placing that value. And, you know, it's like, are we lovable or unlovable? It's like that stuff is like the mental and emotional piece that like, I was never taught that. And, you know, I was mm. never taught that in school. And, and so for me, like finding and discovering this world of real food, one, like kind of slayed all of the rules that I thought that I was doing the right way. Mm. And two, it simplified everything. Like it was no longer this question of keeping up to date with the latest thing. It was just like, became a question of, oh, wait, 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 is this real food or is it not? Okay. Is it real food or is it not? And so that became like the guiding thing of like, is this real? Has it been around for a thousand years? Is this a normal food? Is this like a natural food or is this possibly made somewhere? And like that to me, like gave me so much more freedom to be like, just think about one thing. Is it real or is it not real? And like for everything Mm -hmm. that I would go to eat or think about to buy or be out, be like, is it real or is it not real? Like it just became so much more simple. And not only that, it like Hmm. gave me such a wider selection to pick from. Like instead of it being like, you know, eggs are bad, they're high cholesterol or like don't eat, Mm. you know, meat because that's bad. And it became like, is it real or is it not real? Well, meat has been around for a really long time. So has butter. So has real cream. So has real cheese. Mm -hmm. So has bacon. So has like all of these things that were once off the table and so much in my mental headspace all the time of like, is this a yes food or no food? Or like, is this okay? Or is this bad? Mm. Is it (laughs) became more like, okay, none of that matters. If it's real, your body can digest it. And so that to Mm. me became such a honestly like life-changing question to start to identify like, okay, is this real food that my body can know what to do with because we've been digesting, you know, our bodies are meant to digest real food. It's very easy for our bodies to do that. But when we put stuff in that's like man-made or it's chemicals or it's things you can't pronounce and it's like, um, you know, things you definitely can't recognize, well, then our bodies can't recognize it either. And so that distinction in itself became more of like, okay, a question of, is it real food? Yes. So is it going to serve my body? Yes. You know, is it not real food? Mm. So then it's not, so then it became a question of like, are you being kind to your body or are you, or are you putting stuff in that's going to be like mean to your body, like weighing it down, forcing it to figure more stuff out, forcing it to weed through things like could kind of gunk up the system and make it slower. And so I think for me, at least like that was like such an important distinction of like simplicity, number one, but number two, becoming about serving my body with what I was putting it in versus punishing it, you know? That's so good. And what a mindset Mm -hmm. shift, right? Like food isn't bad Mm -hmm. or evil and like not going to food in fear, but 
is this me being kind? Is this thing going to serve me? Is this going to propel me forward? And I feel like that even just brings us back to so much of like what you said in the beginning, like how it starts with food. Like, how am I showing up for myself in this way? Um, I think that's so, that's so practical and helpful. Well, it's like one of those things that a lot of people don't always recognize the connection between what they eat and how they feel, but it's a direct connection. Mm. And so if you want to do big things with your life, and if you want to be productive and feel energized and sleep well and have great digestion and feel happy, like you can't do that without thinking about the content and the quality of what you're putting in. Like it, that's just a simple, Mm. simple like connection point. And so for people who do like, are these amazingly ambitious women and productive, it's like, you can get kind of far on not doing that. And then at a certain point, it's like that becomes such a grounding, like nourishing starting point for anything else that you want to do, because that's where good energy, good sleep, like a happy mood starts by being like that your cells are nourished in a good way. Okay. All my single ladies, listen up. Raise your hand if dating as a single woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has been a struggle fest. I've experienced it at all from being stuck in the friend zone like it was my job to my dating life looking like the Sahara Desert to awkward setups to heartache to being ghosted and pretty much everything in between. But you know what I've discovered? It doesn't have to be this way. Truly. I know you're like, cat. you don't know me. You don't know my story. And you're right. But I know mine and I know what it's like to feel hopeless in this area of my life. And I know what it's like to move into my season of singleness and dating with hope and clarity and practical tools and freedom. And over the last few years, I've literally journeyed with thousands of women all over the world and walking into more freedom and purpose in their dating life. So I created a free guide for you to help you jumpstart your dating life and get unstuck. It's called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life. You can grab it for free at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. In this guide, I will teach you the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. And then I'm going to show you how to get unstuck in your relationships. I know you want to meet a quality guy, but it's like, how, right? I got you, girl. Then the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically transform your season of singleness. And lastly, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. This guide is for you if you're a woman of faith that longs for a meaningful relationship but have no idea how to get there. Is that you? Then go ahead and go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and grab my free guide, six tips to activate your dating life. I have a few specific questions I wanted to ask you about in in regards to like, am I being kind to my body? And even kind of back a few minutes ago when you're talking about the diet foods that are labeled as Mm -hmm. sexy now, um, what are some of the diet trends right now that are like being labeled as quote unquote sexy, but you don't think are necessarily (laughs) healthy? Oh my gosh. Um, And then I want to know what you think about gluten. (laughs) So um, I would say most... I mean, like keto, even things like paleo, anything Mm. that's like almost cutting out entire like categories of food um, forever Mm. is 
kind of like a red flag, I think. So, and and Mm. there's, it's such an interesting conversation because at the end of the day, like my thought on it now is like, look, there's real food and there's 12 different categories of real food. And every person does better with real food because we're humans and like our human bodies are meant to digest things that are simple and normal and natural. But like everybody's body is also different, you know? So like everybody does better with real food but everybody then has different intricacies within that. Whereas like some people's bodies do really, really well with like, um, meat, like more protein and they need more protein. And some people's bodies do better with more fat than others. And some people do great with dairy and some people don't tolerate it at all. Some people, you know, don't, can't, do some people when they eat grains, it makes them feel energized. And for some people, it makes them feel tired. So when I work with people in my programs, this is what I, this is my philosophy is like, learn what real food is first and make the transition first of like, for whatever you want to eat, there's always a way to do things in a real food way. So I just call it upgrading. Mm -hmm. Like just, if you want to have mac and cheese, great. Like make real food mac and cheese. So that means like using pasta that's two or three ingredients, um, or doing like a brown rice pasta. If you can't have gluten using real cheese, real butter, real milk, that would be like a real form, yeah. an upgraded form of the mac and cheese experience yeah. over the box. So when you look at the box, it's more a question of just looking at your ingredients like that. And I would tell everybody mm-hmm. to just start doing that. Even if you still decide to eat the box, like that's fine. I just want you to start knowing and recognizing what is actually in the food that you're eating first. Um, because that's the first mm-hmm. step, I think, to finding a way to eat that really works for you. It's not just about tuning out and following a diet plan. Like that's, that's my problem with a lot of the diets is that encourages you to not tune in or pay attention to your body. Just follow this plan and you'll get these results. And it's always a quick fix. Mm. It's never something that actually teaches you long-term how your body is doing with it. You know, like what type of foods do you thrive with and which type do you need a little bit yeah. less with? And so there is no one size fits all. And that is the problem with yeah. any trend or any diet. There may be good, um, helpful pieces about it, but I also find that as a long-term strategy, it just makes people even more um, mentally and emotionally confused about food and then they feel guilty and then they feel bad. And then it starts this like whole cycle of like, they felt good when they were being Mm -hmm. perfect on the plan or the diet or whatever trend they're following. And then the minute one real life thing comes up, whether it's a stressful thing or like you're talking about, you know, with your family this year, or it's just purely that you're going out with your friends one night and everybody's having a glass of wine and you want to have a glass of wine. And then it like leads like, well, I already messed it up. So I might as well have anything, you know, everything else that I want. And then Monday I'll get back to it. And it just leads to this endless cycle. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, like what you're saying, like some of those trends, I don't think they're bad necessarily, but I do think it can just be, you're kind of punting. Like you're like never actually addressing yeah. what foods serve your body best. If you're always just following and tuning out by following whatever the latest fad is. So is that what you would say in regards to gluten? Because I know that 
I'm just, I'm not going to assume what I think you think about it. I'm just going to ask you the question. Because <laughs> I'm like, based off what you said, I'm like gathering some thoughts, but I just want to hear your thoughts. Because I feel like people think gluten mm-hmm. is bad. And I mean, I have like, I get a rash mm-hmm. when I eat gluten. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of my friends who was vegan and gluten-free just went to Paris and was like, mm-hmm. I, she was like, I could eat. She's like, I have a croissant there and it was amazing. Um, So what are your thoughts on the whole gluten fad? Yeah. So for me personally, I don't eat gluten because I had an autoimmune Mm -hmm. issue come up like probably 12 years ago at this point um, and had like a case of hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. that came on suddenly. And after like a year of like trying to go the natural route and then, you know, going eventually to thyroid medication and still nothing was changed. um, I eventually like went down the rabbit hole and so many like kind of doctors that were not in the traditional realm in any sense of the word. Like, um, I began to learn there's a connection between the thyroid molecule and the gluten molecule. So whether it's thyroid specific Mm. or just an autoimmune condition in general, um, a lot of times gluten is one of the things that can be a trigger specifically because in our culture, it has been the number one thing that's easiest to process. So it's like the grab Mm. and go foods and, and dairy is also this way of like, it's not that grains in general or wheat, like where gluten is found. It's not that those are bad. It's just that we have overproduced it and we overconsume it and we consume really bad sources of it, like not high quality. It's not like everyone's, mm. you know, cooking their own wheat berries and that's the source of what we eat. It's yeah. like over, and this is over time too. So there's no wonder that like, um, I, I just think it's like comes down to quality and sourcing. So with a lot of European countries, they have a lot more strict standards around the way they grow and produce yeah. and, and people can find that they go over there and they don't have a problem with them because it's to- it's a totally different species than what we consume here. So it's a, it, that's another case of like, wheat is not bad. Your body may do fine with it. Then that's great. Just have good quality sources and don't over consume it like 12 times a day. But like you think of the way most of us grew up and it's like you get up and you have cereal in the morning or toast, or you have some sort of pastry or, um, even, you know, like oatmeal can kind of be triggering for some people if they have gluten, severe gluten, um, Mm -hmm. problems. And then you have like a sandwich at lunch or like pasta or pizza and then the same for dinner and it's like we're over consuming both dairy and grains to a crazy amount and they're not oftentimes the best or great sources and so over time that's a can be a dangerous thing for your body your digestive system your immune system mm-hmm. um and so for me personally like i don't eat it because i have that response like it's something clearly that's not yeah. great or healthy for my body um but some people do fine with it. So this is where it's like, it's not good or bad. If you, if you're talking about a real source, kind of back to the original, um, the most clean version of it as possible, it's not bad. You can have great bread that's made with three ingredients, you know, from a place that bakes their own bread or a baguette you find in the store and your body could do great with that. You know, so I think that's where it's mm-hmm. like if if we can just learn a little bit more about real food, it makes these conversations about like is gluten bad or good, is dairy bad or good, or is meat bad or good, less of a thing to worry about and more of like okay, get the best 
quality that you can of that of what that food is so that at least your body has a better chance of digesting it and then figuring out like how you do specifically with that is that a serving food or is that something mm-hmm. that is a little bit harder on your body and so that being more of the guiding yeah. force and so that's always what i just try to encourage people is like tune into your body you know like start to pay attention to those things and for most people that's a really hard thing to just know how to do because we've never been taught like our entire lives to pay attention to any of that. So that's like, I do, I have like a signature, my signature program is six weeks of doing that of like, how do you actually start to pay attention? Like, what is the process behind that look like? Like, what's the first place to start? And, and what are the signals that could be happening? And and how do you read that? And how do you respond? And then it's a lot of like tweaking and testing and trying and experimenting um, instead of being like, here, this is the one way to eat for everyone. That just like doesn't exist. Right. That's super helpful. And I I feel like it's such a balanced approach because you're not saying like, well, this is the way, this is like the gospel Mm -hmm. truth on gluten or dairy or meat. Um, But just like how, like tune into your body. Like, how am I feeling? Like, what is working? Am I, is this, is this serving Mm -hmm. my body or not? That's so helpful and nuanced. And so I I have more questions. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to keep plowing through them. Um, So speaking of like Mm -hmm. organic food, and this is going to kind of be like a two-part question. One is, you know, when you're talking about real food and like, should we be buying all organic slash (laughs) if let's say like, you know, someone's on a budget or I'm single or someone here is like, hey, I'm just cooking for one. Like I, I can't necessarily afford to buy all organic. Are there certain things that you would say, if you buy organic, you should definitely at least buy this. Like this is worth the investment. Yes, definitely. So the thing to, the place that I feel like is the most, most worth spending a little bit more money to do organic is anything that comes from an animal. So like whether meat, Mm. eggs, cheese, so any type of dairy, um, because Mm -hmm. that animal lives an entire life like up until the point of ever consuming it or consuming its products, whether that's like butter or cheese or yogurt. And so the way that like a lot of conventional farming works is very like sad. I mean, it's, and it's very disturbing and there's so much like antibiotic use and there's so many chemicals and things that they feed them to like plump them up, to produce more milk or to be, you know, fatter, to have more meat. Um, and so by going organic, it doesn't, it's not like a, oh, if it's organic, it's totally perfect, but at least it weeds out a lot of the really scary stuff to be avoiding because Mm. if you're ingesting antibiotics, even secondhand, like that affects our own hormones too. So that affects a lot. And so I think just as a, as a good rule, that's what I do for myself. Like I don't buy everything organic. I just, I stick with stuff that's pretty seasonal because that's the stuff that's always going to be on sale. Um, and so, Mm. and just learning to, to cook a little bit more like, okay, whatever's, happening, I could always roast a vegetable. The technique is the same, like 400 degrees, a little bit of like olive oil, salt and pepper. The vegetable itself may change, but like that is, I think the best technique to go instead of being like, okay, every week I have to have, you know, 
you eat the same like bananas and apples and but if you're able to be a little bit more flexible and be like okay apples are in season in the fall so we're pears but um you know in the winter it's a little bit more about citrus fruit and that's always what's going to be on sale so finding i think like recipes or just quick techniques that work with any type of food that you're getting can be super helpful and and not needing to buy every single thing organic i think just when it comes to meat dairy anything from an animal that's a really good um baseline of like spend a little bit more money on good quality eggs, <laughs> good quality meat and cheese. And then you can do what you can with mm-hmm. other like types of stuff that's more seasonal. You can get on sale. That's really helpful. I I did not, that's not what mm-hmm. I thought you were yeah. going to say. <laughs> that's really mm-hmm. so interesting. So this might be like a silly or seem like a dumb question, but how do you know what's seasonal? Like, is there a way when you're in your grocery store going through the produce being like, oh, this is seasonal. Like Honestly, it's just the stuff that's on sale because whatever is coming, like whatever is growing currently, like in the farms, <laughs> even if you don't live anywhere mm-hmm. close to farmland, whatever is growing, that is like what is coming off the truckload. Like it's like they have so much mm-hmm. of it that they don't know what to do with it. And so that's why it's on sale. I mean, you can always look it up. I think there's some probably some pretty great graphics on Pinterest that would even help you with the basics of like, okay, yeah. fall is about squashes and pumpkin everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, winter is um, more about like potatoes and root vegetables like carrots and parsnips. And that's why we see a lot of like soups and stews. And there's a really like beautiful sort of rhythm in that too of like I think starting to kind of like even just look a little bit more around of like what is at the store or what is on sale or having that experience I think gives you it just changes things up like you have new things to look forward to every couple of months um and I think if you get some just really basic techniques of like okay how to make a soup or like how to use a crock pot um how to roast a vegetable Mm -hmm. you know like how to make a smoothie then whatever produce you're getting can be kind of pretty interchangeable. So for the person then who asking for a friend, (laughs) (laughs) um, so let's talk to the woman, myself included, who like you're, Mm -hmm. you're cooking for one, you know, and let, you know, busy jobs, not a lot of time. Um, so how, like, what would you suggest for the person that is cooking for one? Like, how do I do that? I don't want to waste money. I don't want things to go bad. I don't have a ton of time to like live in the kitchen yes. for hours on end. Um, what would you suggest? Yeah, I think for that's that such person? a great question. I think um, first of all, it's really worth having like not a lot, but just um, a very functional set of pantry staples. Um, I think that can save you mm-hmm. so much money. It could save you so much time. And it also is something where it's like, even if you don't have a lot of like storage space, like a cat for you in Brooklyn or New York, or like, you don't mm-hmm. need to have this like pantry, you know, but like a few things that can make, um, throwing something together a little bit easier. So having things like quinoa or like, um, a few like cans of tomatoes or a few cans of beans, um, or even just having like a bag of frozen veggies that you could 
quickly heat up mm. with some good grass-fed butter, you know, and call, that could be like a really mm. easy meal. If you have like, let's say organic chicken sausage in your freezer and a bag of frozen veggies that you can elevate with like some butter and sea salt and pepper that makes it actually enjoyable to eat um, or having things like mm. beans on hand or quinoa, you can make a quick quinoa salad and throw anything that you have in there, you know, <laughs> to eat it. You can have it hot or cold. Um, so I think that's one thing is like, getting a few things mm-hmm. that you use. And in with my next cookbook that comes out, it's I have like a whole section of like, what are the best pantry staples to have? And I just suggest people looking at that and being like, well, what is appealing to me? What types of food do I, do I like making soups or not? Do I like things that are mm-hmm. pasta dishes? Like if I had some zucchini, would I make zucchini noodles? If I had can of tomatoes to make like a, you know, sauce version of it. Um, so that yeah. is number one, I think number two, and that way, if you have those things, it's so much easier to be like, okay, just get something that is some kind of protein or produce. And those are things that are so make your shopping so much quicker and easier. Like you're not going to like buy massive, like <laughs> amounts of things. It's like, okay, just get some fresh produce and get whatever meat or protein you want. And then you're done you know, and you come home. Right. You're not like starting from ground zero. So if you have even like, um, and I think even with that stuff, there's a lot of things that, that have a little bit longer of a shelf life and can be used in multiple ways. So this is the second tip of like, okay, something like kale, you could use in a smoothie, you could like fry it up in a saute pan with maybe your bag of frozen veggies. You could do, um, you know, Mm -hmm. like make a salad, chop it up and put some dressing on it, maybe marinate it. And it's a salad base, um, like things that Mm -hmm. are super functional that you can use in multiple ways, not just only one recipe. So like things too, like peppers, Mm -hmm. like red bell peppers, like same thing. You could have those cold as a snack with hummus. You could roast them and puree that into like a roasted red pepper soup. You could, and you know, and they keep for at least a week because they're sturdy. So like peppers and potatoes or sweet potatoes, you could, you know, roast those. You could bake them and like mash it with some coconut oil and, um, that's like a, and cinnamon, you know, it's like a good little treat. You could like also again, puree that into some type of a soup. So I feel like getting stuff that you can use in at least like five different ways <laughs> makes it a little bit more yeah. like whatever you're feeling in the mood for that you have something that would, that could kind of work. So for me, I feel like I always buy, um, like a head of kale or something that's more hearty, that's going to last. Um, peppers I think mm-hmm. are really great for that. And then some sort of like yam or sweet potato thing. Um, but those are kind of like always my on my go-to list that I can then pair with a pantry staple like quinoa or some, you know, frozen chicken sausage or having some brown rice pasta. Um, so I think there's a lot that you can do if you're not like into cooking, if you don't like doing it every day, but like that will also save you massive amounts of money. Like if you think of like a kale quinoa salad that you buy out, like that could be anywhere from like $12 to 15 to 17, you know? And if you have that same stuff at home, it literally would cost you maybe, I don't know, three or $4. 
So I think it's worth like taking one trip to the store, round up a few things you can always just have on hand. Um, and maybe even best based on some of your quick and easy recipes. Like I'm a big fan of like make ahead recipes where you make it one day and then it actually gets better the next day. So like a um, you know, mm. kale I have a lot of like, I have a pesto kale salad in the first book. That's like that, like it gets better the next day and you can add, you know, rotisserie chicken on top of it for one day. And then the next, the next yeah. meal at dinner, you can like heat it up in a pan and it's like a warm saute. So I think it's just making mm. do with what you have, making sure all the things are just multifunctional <laughs> in a lot of ways. And then setting up yeah. with a few staples that you will use, like a really good quality avocado mayo and having some mustard and um, basic things like rice or quinoa. You can really do a lot with not very much hassle, stress, shopping, or ingredients. Gosh, that is so freaking helpful. I just took down so many notes because I'm like, I need to, I need to go grocery shopping. And I just got back in town. So this is so helpful. I feel like honestly, I felt like the my own personal overwhelm just like depressed okay, a little good. bit. Um so I'm like, that's doable. Like I can totally. do that. Like I can do that. And I will say too, for like really busy people, this is something that like I resisted for so long, but the instant pot. I feel like if you're cooking for one person, it's freaking, it's amazing. If you like, well, I will say with a caveat, if you like like one pot meals, Mm. if you like like crock pot style, like cozy comfort food, but like it's really easy because it's like a crock pot, but you don't have to plan ahead. Um, If you can plan ahead and you are a little bit more structured and you have like soup recipes you love to use, then crock pots can be amazing. Mm. Um, And they make small ones too. But I think getting a normal size and that way you can like freeze extra so that you always have like a frozen soup. Um, If you don't want to eat all of it or eat it for like four days in a row, just like freeze half of it. And then that's a really nice thing when you do come back for a trip or like that, you know, that you have something you Mm. don't have to order out or eat out too. So that can be really helpful too. Super helpful. I haven't used Instapot, but one of my friends like swears by it. Yeah. (laughs) I'll get, I'll look into that a little bit more. Um, Well, Sarah, Thank you so much. I mean, I just love hearing your story and your relationship with food and moving through your own healing process. And now you're just living this incredible story to invite people into more wholeness in in their lifestyle. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for all of your wisdom and thank you for just taking time to hang out with me on the internet. Oh my gosh, it was so fun, (laughs) of course. Yay, and just before we head out, you have a new book coming out. Where can people get it? How can they get it? How can they follow along with what you're up to, your courses, all the things? Yeah. Well, I'm just at Simply Real Health. So simplyrealhealth.com. Um, you can see everything that I'm doing. Instagram, it's Simply Real Health. That's really where I hang out most of the time. And um, the, the new book is called Simply Real Eating. And it will have come out November 19th. And it's my second cookbook. You can find it anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, um, IndieBound, if you want to support your local independent bookstore. Um, so it's really exciting. The first book um, is called The Simply Real Health Cookbook. And that's also on Amazon as well. But it's everything about real food made easy. So five ingredients or less, 10 to 15 minutes or less for most of the recipes because I'm just so 
I just want people to know that it doesn't have to be so hard. Like mm-hmm. eating healthy, eating well, taking care of yourself is truly can be a very simple and grounding act if you let it be. If you just know a few things first, um, it can really kind of carry over in so many other parts of your life. And so I just always want that to be an encouraging factor for people. It doesn't have to be hard, like five ingredients or less. You can do it, you know, like 15 minutes or less, like your body deserves um, a little bit of love and attention. And when you put that in, like the result that can happen from that and just from paying a little bit more attention to what you're doing and feeding yourself can just create this just massively beautiful and inspirational life on so many different, so many different levels. So yeah, that's what it's it's all about. So, so you can good. go grab your copy and yeah, I'm just so excited for people to have it and to just always have things if they feel like they don't know what to make or aren't sure mm-hmm. or not really sure how what to do with those red peppers I just told you to buy. Um, those, <laughs> those can be really helpful <laughs> resources okay. to help you like put things together and keep it really simple on yourself. Absolutely. Well, gosh, I so excited for this book. I'm so excited for you. I adore you and I can't wait for people to hear this. Yes. So good. Oh, I'm so glad. Thanks for having me, Kat. It's so great to hang out. Okay, talk to you soon. Okay, <laughs> bye. bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.